lovely to, uh, to see you all today and uh, welcome to our Breaking the Bread service. I hope you all benefit richly as much as I will, I'm sure. Um, we're going to sing two hymns to start with. The reason I've chosen these two is because the theme of my service is regarding training our minds. Uh, I'll read from verse 4 because I think that's uh, a nice verse to read out. Drop thy still dews of quietness till all our strivings cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. And then we'll follow straight after with God be in my head and in my understanding. Thank you for Jesus your son and for this new opportunity of remembering him together through the emblems of bread and wine which show us his love for us which strengthens our faith and our resolve. Lord God be with us now in our heads, in our minds, in our thinking as we reflect together upon that price that was paid for us. Today our Father we we continue to see so much trouble and suffering and anxiety and despair in our world. And I pray now that Jesus our Lord will return soon to transform this world from what it is now to a kingdom which will be a mind-blowing, amazing and everlasting experience on this earth. I pray that this day will be here soon and that we can be there in that day in your kingdom. Lord Jesus, help us in our individual lives today. Encourage us all to be able to show your characteristics and your mind in our life, that we may be able to make a positive difference to those we meet and talk to this week. Finally, Lord Jesus, please bless and be near to all our family here and help us to keep you close to us in our hearts and minds as we remember you today and your love for us. Amen. I'll ask uh, Steve now, please, to give us the announcements and the welfare news. Please, Steve. Morning. It's lovely to be with friends and family this morning. Um, Pauline, lovely to see you here today as well. It's great that you can be here with us. We remember all of our children going back to school this week. Some of them starting school for the first time, moving into new classes, some moving to new schools and colleges. We pray that they will feel God's love and care as they set off on their new challenges, and that they remember to show that love to each other and to others as they come into contact with them. We think about those who are grieving at this time, for Marion's husband John and family, and for the family of Bessie's school friend who died unexpectedly during the summer holidays. It would have been Marin's birthday this Tuesday, and I'm sure that's another thing that John will feel keenly. Uh, I had correspondence with John Bernani this week. He's still in prison. He's holding on to the thought that God has a plan for him and the reason for him being there, but he knows in his heart that he's free. It's interesting, we just read from Matthew 25, which talks about, did you visit me in prison? If you have opportunity to get in touch with John, he would really appreciate that. Marion, our sister was laid to rest this week and as she waits for our Lord's return we will miss Marion in lots of different ways. 
On Wednesday, Angela shared some words about Marion, what she meant to her, and about Marion's past and her friends and her family, and importantly about her faith. And we thought it would be good if Angela came and shared those words again with us all this morning. So, Angela, if you can do, please come up. I've known of Marion for over 20 years. We were introduced by a friend and we became more than friends. We were like real sisters and became very close. As I had lost my two sisters, one at two and a half and one was brain damaged. Marion decided after a while to join the same church I attended and that was the start of a happy journey for us. She didn't drive then, but with time she gained the confidence to pass her test with determination, I think after the fourth time. And then there was no stopping her. Most Saturdays we were off somewhere, and visits in the week, Marion would plan the routes whilst I drove. Her circle of friends just grew, and she loved it. We even had two holidays abroad, one with John, her husband, and my husband, John, and then with my mum and dad. She told me about all her health problems and operations she coped with, and still we went on our travels. But of course, in time, her health problems weren't, weren't getting any better, but were starting to take their toll. It was then I began to help her, as she asked, in her home every week, and fill her in with things going on, which she loved to hear, anything newsy, always asking how I was and others. Marion had a lovely voice, and she loved to sing on a karaoke. She always wanted to help as much as she could, and was a very kind person. She loved having my two little dogs also, and she was popular wherever we went with her laughter and her love. And the strength she gained from her faith gave her hope and peace. So having known Marion, we shall all miss her friendship, her sweetness and company. And she would wish for us all to enjoy her memory And finally to add, those who visited Marion at home found her a joy and a privilege and a pleasure without complaint. And now she finally is at peace, awaiting the resurrection when Jesus returns. And so, although this is a very sad day for all of us here, we can take some comfort in the knowledge that Marion is at rest and peace from all the chronic suffering she endured with patience and dignity. I will miss you so much, Marion. Yesterday is gone. Today will be over. And we all live in hope for our tomorrows. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. We're going to do our pastoral prayer now. And obviously we're going to remember Marion and her family. If there's anything else you'd like us to pray for now, now is the time to share that. If you'd like to remain seated then and we'll present our request to our Father. 
Almighty God, we know you to be the Lord, and we recognize that we are your creation, that we are yours. And the idea of family is your creation. And it's a beautiful and powerful and wonderful thing that you have blessed us with. Father, thank you for surrounding us with brothers and sisters to care for and brothers and sisters to care for us. Our hearts are keenly focused on Marion and her family, John and Angela. And loss will be felt in different measures. We ask for your comfort and support in all the different ways that you give it to be upon that family. We thank you for our sister, for her trust in you and her trust in your son, for her hope in you and your promises. And we will rejoice when we meet with her again in your kingdom. Father, we think of our brother John in prison, locked away and without freedom. Yet he feels free in you, Father. Strengthen him to endure this time of testing. You know your son and what he can endure. Father, help us not to fall asleep when our family needs us. Help us to stay awake and be aware of what we can do. Help us not become complacent in the suffering of our brothers and sisters. For we know if one of us suffers, all of us suffer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of education in this country all the things that we can learn. And we think of all our young people who will be starting a new term in September. Bless them richly, Father. But not just with an education about the things of this world, but in their learning about you and about your son. Yes, that they will learn about you, but that they will also experience you and how you're active and involved in their lives. Father, I pray that the team of people put in place to help Sam at school strengthen one another, get the support that they need, and that Sam will respond to the love and the care that people are pouring out upon him. Father, comfort the family of Bessie's friend who died so suddenly over the holidays. Comfort them in their loss. And provide Mike with sources of encouragement while he remains in hospital. I don't know, Father, in some way may he see you involved in what's going on. Family Father, it's a beautiful thing, not without its challenges, but it's from you, and we thank you for that blessing.
Hear now our prayer. We offer it through our Son, your Son, our Saviour Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, Angela. I've chosen two readings from the Bible um, to introduce my thoughts for this morning. Um, the first one I'd like us to read would be Romans chapter 12, and we'll ask David Brighouse to read that. And straight after, I've chosen Philippians chapter 4, verse 1 to 9, and I've asked uh, Sylvia to read that for us. So, uh, David, please. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, 
It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Thank you, David, and thank you, Sylvia, for reading those, those words to us. Well, first of all, good morning to you, and thank you for this first opportunity for me being able to talk with you. I, I really appreciate that. What's on your mind? What are you thinking right now? Don't tell me. Is it, oh, no. How long is he going to be on for today? I wouldn't blame you if you thought that. What am I thinking right now? What are my thoughts? Can I get through today in one piece? Hopefully. How many thoughts do we think in a single day? Well, for the average person, it will be between twelve and 50,000 thoughts. For those who are more uh, of a complex brain power, maybe 70,000 thoughts. Did you know that God, our Heavenly Father, knew about all these thoughts, every single one of them, years and years ago? He knows our thoughts and the intents of our hearts before we know them, before we know them ourselves, and before we are even thought about, before we are on this earth. And also the Lord Jesus could and can see into our hearts and into the minds of men. Well, isn't that amazing? It goes right over my head, that one does. 
But it also humbles me in my thoughts and what I should and shouldn't be thinking about. So, as a result of all of this, one question could be asked. Are we confident with our minds in Christ? Or are we living on the edge? What do we do with our minds to keep them focused on God if they aren't what they once were? And how do we train our minds to get the most benefit from them? Do we use them or abuse them? Do we think we might lose them? In this fast pace of life where everything is now geared towards free thinking, it can be extremely difficult at times to keep focused on training our minds towards God because of the many distractions that may get in the way. If you are like me, you will need constant and regular reminders to keep positive and not to get downhearted because God does know that we fail miserably in our lives at times. The good news is that God is still working in us It's not just about hitting that refresh key on the keyboard to try and keep things up to date. But it's all about keeping our faith refreshed in God. More than once, people that I've met and that I know and who I've worked with have said to me, what is going on in that head of yours? Sometimes it's even a mystery to me. I'm sure you feel like this at times. Are we uh, smart with our minds like Carol Vorderman or are we like Kylie who can't get you out of my head? For a few minutes then, I want us to think about three challenging questions. What is the mind that God has given us? What is it actually capable of? How important is it to us to train our minds in order to help us in our daily lives? And our third point will be closing my thoughts with a final reflection on the mind of our Lord Jesus as we remember how he gave his life for us today. So, onto our first thoughts on the mind that God has given us and what it is capable of. First and foremost, we have to acknowledge that God thinks on a level far beyond our human comprehension and reasoning, as we said at the start. Yet, amazingly, God is willing to give us the tools to read his mind and to begin to think like he thinks. I'm just going to read some verses from Isaiah 55. So, Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 9. Seek the Lord while you can find him, Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It's interesting to note as well that God tells us through the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 17, that God searches 
the heart or the conscience of man you could call it because it has the potential to be deceitful and wicked I suspect that the heart here refers to the drive that man has and the desire rather than the physical organ that pumps the blood around the body the human mind is a God-given capacity for each person to think or reason. It is our mental capacity to exercise reflective thinking. I've done plenty of that, compiling these thoughts, I can tell you. The mind is often referred to in the Bible as the heart, which is the seat of our emotions. And so we have to bear that in mind as well. Well, let's think of some great minds of people of the past and the present and how they have changed the course of history as we know it. Well, after the Lord Jesus, I thought of some people like Da Vinci, uh, Newton, Einstein, Mozart, Michelangelo, Graham Bell, Darwin, Shakespeare and Stephen Hawking, to name but a few. These people were all blessed with amazing minds and they used them to change the course of history forever, whether it was inventions or science, music, literature or relativity. The question is, have we got the capacity and the desire to do the same through our lives today and through the Lord Jesus Christ working in us? Do great minds really think alike? Well, I found a quote online um, called The Miracle in the Mind by Kenneth Campbell. And he says these words regarding the mind. He says, perhaps the most fascinating and relevant scientific exploration today is taking place in what uh, many now call the last frontier the human brain. The brain, says Kenneth of Cincinnati Children's Hospital, is a source of so much of what is good and bad about humanity. It has given us brilliant ideas, great literature, art and music. However, it is also responsible for aggression, violence, war, racism and addiction. Yet there is something about the complexity of the human brain that we cannot model. We can study the heart or the kidneys and determine what goes wrong because we grasp the mechanics of it. But the brain is a machine we do not understand. We still don't know how the human mind works. So, God created a spirit element in us that makes human beings different from animals and he grants them certain spiritual abilities such as choosing between sin and righteousness, between good and bad, right and wrong. So in reflection, how will the mind that God has given us help to see us through to the end with the knowledge that we really try to do the best with what we had given are we really using our amazing minds to their full potential? Well, here's a reminder of how to and how not to use our minds as described by our Lord Jesus 
to help us keep focused on the right things if we want to really follow him. Jesus tells Christians everywhere to keep away from mental sins during his Sermon on the Mount, something that we need to reflect on for our own good. If you were to look at Matthew 5 in your own time, it relates in verse 27 to 30 of the eyes and the images that we see through them, followed by unwanted desire. So it's paramount to filter these images correctly to avert abuse of the mind. Sometimes we have to make huge sacrifices which feel painful at the time, but in God's mind's eye, it is character forming for us and for our future in his kingdom. Christian thoughts from our mind should be holy, they should be in fellowship with God to help us make the right decisions and help with this comes through reading God's mind, the Bible, his word. To allow it to affect our minds deeply as we share time together with others who feel the same or are making a positive difference in other lives in some way. So in reality, how can we reach to that level in our minds? It's certainly far from easy, but one way to help us was told me by someone we know. If our direction in life is one that is positive, even though we know that we do fail at times, if our intent is to follow the Beatitudes that Jesus gave us in Matthew 5, then the improvements to our health become immediate. Why? Well, because when we are positive, a chemical called serotonin is activated when we do that. On the flip side, if we are negative and divert our minds away from the teachings of Jesus, then this chemical is not activated within us. And as a result... An imbalance of serotonin can lead to depression. So if we don't take anything else away from these thoughts this morning, let's just try and remember that. Well, it seems to me today that so many companies that survive are demanding more and more from their employees, especially on productivity which could mean that more training and focusing of the mind is required. Do we have a coping strategy for this, if it does concern us? Or do we tut, do we sigh, do we go, go along with it with a heavy heart, or do we make it our intention to use our minds fully for the benefit of the employer and for God? Our minds are very adaptable if we put the effort in. So, now on to my next section, training our minds, which is helping us in our lives. Here is an example. Recently, my nephew joined the army to carry on his chef's career. And I'm sure with all his forthcoming intensive and disciplined training, he will be taught to train and focus his mind with a sound discipline that will help him to keep a cool head under potentially intensive pressure to help him along the way. Well, I've got an article from a paper 
which is an example of a person who is also in the army. I'll read it out. It's a war veteran of 88 years old fought off two robbers brandishing a six-inch blade by remembering his unarmed combat skills. Kenneth, five foot four and nine stone, said that one of them pulled back his sleeve and showed he had a knife. And he said, I remembered my army training and I let him have it. I punched him on the chest, then they went off. And he added, I had no time to be scared. That's how the army trains. Well, we are all fighting our battles, aren't we? Within and without. We have our daily battles in our own minds. Maybe in the boardroom or in the office. In the car. Or in family life. Or in the sports hall. Or anywhere else. Well, my new job location is at Stockport. And it's been my daily battleground for nearly the last two years. It has forced me into retraining my mind and adapting to the new challenges, even if it is essentially what I have been doing for years. I have had to train my mind to keep on top of running an intensive service, because if I don't do that, even just for a few minutes, then train services will come to a halt. And dealing with incidents in my new location also needs a focused mind to work together with my new team of staff. And it took me seven quick and intensive weeks to pick up the basics of the job for training. But I always feel that even now I can learn something new. How then can we cope? Um, how can we train our minds to help us pull through? Not just at work, but wherever we are in life. What about these following ideas? See what you think. Keep focused. Get enough rest. Keep the brain stimulated through daily challenges. Meditation. Relax where you can. Maybe have a hobby. Drink plenty of water. Keep calm in incidents. Think logically. Where, when, why, what, who, etc. Don't be afraid to ask questions where necessary. Communicate well. Healthy exercise stimulates mental health. Healthy fellowship and friendship. Keep positive even if no one else seems to be doing so. And pray about it. And I want to give you three different examples from the Bible that portray the mind in different ways so that you can see what we can expect to face and what we can do with it in a positive way one example is positive one example is negative and one example is a positive out of a negative you may want to make a note of these uh, as I read them out and look at them in your own time well, the first example is Jesus training the disciples' minds. This was just before he left them and he went to heaven. This is in Luke chapter 24, verse 45 to 48. There's no need to look at it. It's where he opened their minds and their understanding to grasp uh, what he was saying. It was to help and encourage them 
in their new job of preaching and witnessing to their Lord in the uh, formation of the new church. Well, the second example is very similar to today's society. It's in Romans 1, verse 28 to 31. It's where God has given these particular individuals a depraved mind because of their lack of acknowledgement of God, because they didn't even begin to train their minds or to keep an open mind on him, to correctly and positively show their potential towards him. God, uh, as a result, gave them a debased mind, totally obscure from him, and to do what ought not to be done. The third example is showing the mind of Paul. Even when Paul thinks he's doing well. Uh, Romans 7 verse 23. It's the law of his mind which was making him a prisoner. Unable to escape. Even though he was still doing his best um, to escape and with the help of the Holy Spirit. He was still struggling with his war in the mind, in his mind. Well, this is something that's encouraging for us today because it shows that those who we look up to struggle so much so that we are not on our own. And it grows across the board, doesn't it? Even our Lord Jesus Christ sweated those great drops like blood falling to the ground at the final hurdle before his death. These are big lessons to me, and I hope they help you too in some way. It's true, isn't it, that the more we feed our mind on certain things, whether good or bad, the more it becomes part of our life. So how on earth can we control that realistically? Is it really mind over matter? I think we need to watch and pray, especially like watchmen of our own souls, to train our minds against the sins that we know we are inclined to. Only we know what can tempt us. I just want to read a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11 to 12. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So God's mind and spirit is the surest rule of thumb of a Christian's life today. By this rule, we are commanded to be holy in every way possible. God makes those holy whom he saves. Is God stirring us today to change and think and act more like he does? Let's look at our key verses for this morning that we, we had read. This is in Romans chapter 12, which is an amazing uh, chapter. Uh, but I just want to focus on verse 1 and 2, because there it gives us a clue on how to train our minds and renewing them and the result of that. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. 
This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, I found out that there are three significant scriptures that talk about renewing our minds. One is there that we've just read. There's one in Philippians 4 that we had read before, and there's one in Hebrews 3. And all of these scriptures say that I, or you, must renew our mind. None of them say that, uh, pray that God will renew your mind. So when we pray sometimes to God and we say, please God, renew my mind, we could be acting like a child that says to its parent, mum, dad, do my homework for me. Most rep responsible parents will, of course, say no, because how will you learn otherwise? When it comes to renewing our mind, God will do his part, but not our part. God promises us in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. And he extends these gifts to us. But are we taking them and are we applying them in our lives? To be a successful Christian means to follow Jesus, to obey his teachings, to love one another, to grow spiritually, but the battle still rages in our minds. God's solution to this battle is not simply to pray more, but prayer is important and we do need to pray. These verses in Romans, they go, I believe, to the heart of the problem. The promise offered is powerful if I renew my mind. God has some awesome benefits and rewards for us if we do that. Firstly, I will be transformed, not just cleaned up on the outside, but completely transformed on the inside too. We will be on the right path to knowing and understanding God's will for our lives, his good, his pleasing and perfect will. And the God of peace will be with me when I renew my mind. So how can we renew or train our minds and have peace with God? Well, we have the answer in Philippians 4, and I'll read that verse again. It's Philippians 4, verse 4 to 8. It says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honourable, right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me do, doing. Then the God of peace 
will be with you. So it says it's to show joy, gentleness, calmness, prayerfulness, thankfulness and similar. And it shows us, doesn't it, the characteristics reflected in the Lord Jesus Christ. So to reflect on him and follow his example is the answer and it is a lifetime's work. So what amazing words to take to ourselves this morning. On to our final section now. This is on the mind of Jesus and what he has done for us. Our Lord Jesus is the man with the mind who knows exactly what we have to go through day by day and how we can easily forget him in that process. If I'm not mistaken, tell me if I'm wrong, but Luke tells us, he was a doctor I believe, he tells us in chapter 22 verse 19 that during the breaking of bread, Jesus asks us to remember him, which is the only time in the Gospels that it's actually mentioned. But it's also mentioned in 1 Corinthians 11. Is there a possibility that this gentle reminder of remembering from Luke through the Spirit came because doctors have a better understanding of how our minds can easily wander off the subject and forget. Just a thought. I just want to read a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. It says there, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Well that is one challenge for us today for the rest of the week as we remember our Lord Jesus through these emblems of bread and wine. Jesus in his love has helped us to remember him because he gives us a meal to eat now, to help us to receive spiritual strength to refresh our minds once again. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 So, think clearly, exercise self-control, look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Silence helps the mind calm down and reflect. So I will finish. Partake of the bread and wine. We're going to sing a couple of hymns from Praise the Lord to reflect what we've been uh, thinking about. The first one is going to be Praise the Lord number 11. Be still and know that I am God. And then straightly after that, number 177 from Praise the Lord, which is, How deep the Father's love for us, 
how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. We're going to have a piece of bread. It's a symbol of a meal. And the lovely thing about meals is that people eat them together and enjoy each other's company. Father, I think the big problem for me anyway is that I don't know that I give you time or you, Lord Jesus, to enjoy your company. I don't think I, when I eat a meal, I think about you and not just think, but enjoy you. Enjoy your company. Father, we've just sung that um, one line in that song that you turned your face away. I don't believe that. Father, I don't believe that. I know, Father, that you were with your Son on the cross. What a lovely thought, Lord, that you go with him and with each of us in our troubles. You never, ever, ever leave us. You never, ever look away. But whatever we go through, whatever men go through, whatever your lovely son Jesus went through, you are there. You are here with us. So Lord Jesus, please bless us as we share this bread and help us to know that you are here with your Father and that you want us to be with you and to enjoy your company. Please bless us richly in this, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this symbol of your blood shed to remind us of your love and our Father's love for us. And I hope and pray, Lord, that it will inspire me and the rest of us to not conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Sometimes, Lord, we see the storms coming down on the hills. And we know that tall trees and mountains will bend and move at your will. And it reminds us that even the mighty, even the powerful should bow at the sound of your voice and the great works that you've done for us. And Father, when we hear that howling wind and feel the rain physically, spiritually, literally and metaphorically, remind us that these things come because you love us, 
because we're to be washed clean in the same way that this sip of wine reminds us of being washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. And sometimes, Lord, we think, how long, how long, how long do we have to wait until the fog clears? How long should we wait till the curtain is lifted? How long until the reckoning, till your kingdom comes in all its fullness, in all its glory on this earth? Because we see this world is not whole. The wicked still roam the streets. And we still fail and fall. But Lord, Phil has reminded us of the now but not yet nature of your kingdom. And I pray that this wine will encourage us and energise us to remember that we stand with you at our side. You've got our back. And you will never leave us. And that we should be ready to do what we can now with your energy, with your power, with your spirit living in us to make this world a better place to bring flavours of your kingdom while we wait for the day when you, Lord Jesus, come back physically. Remind us to work together to that end as we share this cup of wine together. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. It's good sometimes to have thoughts in our mind, to have sort of visions and to think about what the kingdom will be like when, when, uh, when Jesus returns. And I want to think about that as we sing our last hymn in Praise the Lord number 50. Because in the uh, third verse it says, I want to see the kingdom of God in my generation. I want to see the kingdom of God while I am alive. I want to give my life for something that will last forever. Oh, I delight to do your will. So we're going to sing hymn number 50 from Praise the Lord, and then we'll ask Charles, please, to conclude in prayer for us. Father God, it's been good to be here this morning, to be in your sanctuary, beholding your glory. Lord, in our lives outside this place, our minds can be like plasticine being pushed into the mould, taking on the shape and the priorities of this world. But here in this sanctuary, beholding your glory, we sing praises to you and our Lord Jesus. We talk to you in prayer. We read your word. We share thoughts together. And the transformation happens. Lord, help us to gaze into your glory, to study it, and help it to transform our lives, to make us more like Jesus, more gentle, with deeper love, more truthful, more gracious. 
And Lord, we know that your sanctuary is not these bricks and this mortar, but it's any time our hearts are open to you to make your home. So Lord, as we go out of this place and into the world, may we always dwell in your sanctuary, always being transformed. Amen.